0: Heavy Cardboard, episode 136, Pipeline. Coming to you from Texas City, Texas. Or really, HCHQ Boston, Mass. Welcome to Heavy Cardboard, where we talk medium and heavy strategy, board games, war games, 18XX, and other related topics in the board gaming hobby. We're your hosts. I'm Edward. And I'm Greg. Hey, guys. Good to be back. It's, it's nice to be back in the saddle. Every time I, I say that in my head, I keep hearing Aerosmith back in the saddle again. Yeah, that was, that was terrible. Close. No, yeah, that no, was. It was, it was perfect pitch. <laughs> I hope everybody's had a wonderful summer miss y'all miss the podcast, but, uh, looking forward to, uh, recording season five here and, and getting this, uh, going again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, since we last met, uh, I've gotten a promotion. Congrats. I think, but I've heard the stories and it do- sure as hell doesn't sound like a promotion. It, it's more of a side motion. Um, just same position, but a bigger store, more responsibility, uh, Better pay. Okay. Okay. Then that's a legitimate
0: promotion. Better pay, more responsibility. Yeah. It, it sounds like a promotion.
1: Yeah. It's more like a raise with more stuff to do, but it's good. It's right. It's been good. Yeah. Are you enjoying it? I'm starting to. It took okay. a little while. Yeah. <laughs> There's an adjustment <laughs> period there. Yeah. It always is. Right. Nice. Uh, what else has been going on with you? Well, I, on my side stuff, I, I stopped really streaming on twitch and started uh rebranding into a youtuber why is that uh a lot of it is because the stuff i was doing on twitch all this long form video games uh they they don't really do well on twitch when you say long form video
0: games you mean like uh like rp like rpg type like involved yeah. Not single serving, you know, FPS type stuff, right?
1: Right, right. A lot of it's um, these really long storylines and a bunch of nuanced stuff. Even when it's not uh, RPGs playing Okami, there's a huge storyline to it. And people keep coming in. They go, so what's it about as I'm 40 hours into the game? Uh, and I'm like, oh, it's, you know, stuff. Could Google. Check out things. <laughs> so are you enjoying it more? Uh, yeah, it's a it's a different pace um which is interesting i I have to really come up with a lot of stuff on my own right because there's no interaction because you're not live now right yeah yeah um so it's a it feels a little cheesy but it'll get there uh so what's been going on with you well uh a lot i mean obviously the the youtube channel
0: is in full effect and, and been live streaming a whole lot here uh haven't been traveling a ton uh I did make a trip this summer to Vegas to play in the World Series of poker because my uh, one of my best friends who's still a professional poker player and for those that well are new to the show, I used to be a professional poker player which newsflash do you know what it requires to become a poker a professional poker player? I assume playing poker professionally? No Quitting your job. Oh. Because technically, if that's your right, that's what it takes to play poker for a living. Quit your job and play poker. The end. You don't have to be good at it. You don't have to be a
1: successful professional poker player to be a professional poker player. Am I right? There's plenty of uh, baseball players who aren't very successful, right? So there
0: (laughs) there you go. No, it's a running joke uh, within the community. But anyway... His, him and his new wife are expecting their first child uh, in the coming months. And with this being the 50th anniversary of the WSOP, the World Series of Poker, Jody reached out and said, hey, you want to come out and, you know, kind of make it like how have a handful of days like it used to be. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. So I took a week off the show. I haven't taken a week off the show, like for non- life impacting your you know life things ever i was like yeah let's do it so went out there for four days played in a mini main event that didn't go so well that's okay i'm not a tournament player but crushed in the uh in the cash games and since the last episode the encore boston harbor has opened here which is our local win casino win being the same win as in uh vegas and macau and it's gorgeous it is poker paradise it really legitimately is there's 88 tables and they offer everything from as low as one three on the no limit side all the way up to i saw a 300 600 game going which is that is the these guys play for houses so you can win or lose a house in a given session yikes yeah it's a little bit out of my out of my budget, a lot of my, uh, out of my range right now. But, uh, I set a goal for myself, uh, back before I left for Vegas, which was around the end of June, around 27th of June, 27, 28, something like that. I set a goal for myself. I took a thousand dollars and said, okay, I'm only going to play one three, which is the smallest game for no limit at the, uh, at the, uh, win here at Encore. And gonna do my best to run that up to ten thousand before I move up in stakes, which is two five, which is the game that I have the chops to play. I have the ability to play that. However, uh, I don't have the bankroll in which to play that anymore because max buy in seven hundred dollars. You go on a downswing there, and I don't have the money to recover that. So, it's been it's been going very well. So, including my trip to Vegas. I have put in almost 82 hours at the poker table, which sounds like a lot. But you got to keep in mind almost 40 of that was in four days. Yeah. Right. Uh, So then the rest of it is spaced out over a month or so. And, you know, three hours here, seven hours there. Maybe, hey, I take half a day and I go play nine hours in a session, whatever. And my win rate is reasonable. I think Uh, it's about $38 an hour is what i'm doing so far uh you guys can do the math over the course of that so on my way to uh to building up bankroll and enjoying it getting back into it not not like i'm going to be quitting the podcast and and heavy cardboard in general nothing even remotely close to that that will never happen however it's my hobby Everybody has hobbies, right? Like board games are my job now. So poker, it's funny how that swapped. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so I'm having a blast with it, having a lot of fun. So there's that. Uh, One industry piece of news that I was sad to hear uh, not too long ago was that Victory Point Games went under. And it's a real shame that the company met their demise after Dan Yarrington got involved. Yeah, it's a bummer because Victory Point Games, I've done a number of the solo games on... The live streams and yeah, it's a bummer to to hear that that company went under. Um So yeah, that's kind of a bummer. Yeah. And let's see what else live streaming through Gen Con is coming up. This is something that I want to bring everybody's attention to. So you guys are going to hear this probably on Monday and this week is actually Gen Con week and I'm not going. What we're going to be doing instead is we reached out to a number of publishers for games that i wanted to play and i was curious and sounded interesting and piqued my interest so what we did is we reached out to specific publishers and said hey will you send us the game that's debuting at gen con or will you sell us the game that you only have demos of at gen con some said they weren't able to nobody flat out told us no which was awesome however there was a One company is like, unfortunately, all our demo copies are at Gen Con, but we'll send you one right afterwards. I was like, cool. I appreciate that. However, what we decided to do is instead of going to Gen Con, since there's, I don't know what, 60, 70,000 people that go to Gen Con, there are millions that don't go to Gen Con that are in this hobby. And I thought, you know what? What a better way to include everybody and make them feel a part of Gen Con than Showing off the games, doing full teach and playthroughs of the games that are debuting or demoing at Gen Con. I thought it was a cool idea. It just kind of came to me one day and nobody seemed to think it was a bad idea. So that's what we did. So the games in alphabetical order that I reached out to because games I wanted to play for no other reason. There's no compensate. They just sent us the game and we're going to live stream it. So uh, be lives. We will only know summer beta colony although arguably beta colony is not debuting but that's the one exception to this black angel city of the big shoulders dark domains ecos or echoes first continent pipeline kind of sort of but we're going to play it two player uh shobu silver and gold the deluvia project which actually is the second edition that's debuting and watergate so yeah i thought that'd be a a insane week and a lot of fun plus it includes all of us not going to Gen Con. So seemed like a good
1: idea. Yeah I mean it works for me because I'm also not going to Gen Con. Well that works out. All right. (laughs) So what you been playing lately Matt? Um well
0: I guess we played Planet Seam last night. We did. Uh we streamed that that was good. We played it uh the week prior as well to get ready for the stream. Yeah that that was an interesting game. I, I love the player driven market that is manipulated entirely by players that's one of my all-time favorite things in all of board games but it's a fantasy flight game and so the production quality is overproduced in some areas and underproduced in Mm -hmm. other areas so it's kind of a mixed bag i know it's probably unlikely to ever get republished uh but man i would love to see
1: that happen yeah i mean i think i just like to see somebody get inspired by that mechanic and do something else with it
0: that also that's even an, a better idea so good call on that yeah yeah, yeah. Um,
1: designers out there please yeah uh take a look at planet steam and, and learn from it um we also played uh the Sioux line yes
0: ccmf in the youper in upper peninsula michigan and
1: well it's a weird cube rails game but I really enjoyed that game. Yeah, it's definitely weird. Uh, I I only have this and Irish gauge under my belt for cube rails. But uh, yeah, if I had to compare the two, I, I, they're favorable. Yeah,
0: I, I, I think they're both really good games. I don't think I have a good grasp as to how
1: to play the Sioux line well, but I enjoy it. Definitely agree with that point um we've also been playing pipeline yeah
0: weird how that works right yeah, we yeah. actually played it two-player last night to prepare for this because neither of us
1: had played two-player pipeline we'll go into that in detail as we go along yeah uh, i also played a uh, Fuji magnate with my group uh, for me it was the seventh time but for them it was the first time oh how'd that go over they really liked it um they did really well too really yeah that's awesome uh they only struggled in the beginning when they accidentally did a I guess they got something they couldn't use. But after that it was perfectly fine. Okay, that's that's encouraging, uh, spreading the love of uh of Splatter around the world. Yeah, Keep yeah. that up. And uh a little a little easier game than Food Chain Magnate? Vikings? I'm unfamiliar with Vikings. What is this? So there is uh it's it's sort of like a drafting game. Uh there's a wheel that has you know numbers on it, and the numbers indicate a price. And along the edge of this wheel, you put different territories and different uh, you people that are all different colors. Uh, and what you're gonna do is you're paying for that person and that plot of land, and you put it in your area. Uh, if you can place the island in your area, you do, and if that color goes in the right sp- like row for that color as the land you get to put that person on that land if not they kind of stick in this little island and wait Uh, at the end of the round if you have a boatsman then he can ferry them to the different lands from that island for the appropriate color that they match yeah okay and you just everyone just goes around and collects people and uh, at the end of the round there's a scoring Uh, there's a little scoring where you just get money and then there's a big scoring the next round where you get points and money uh it's a really quick game really easy when i first started playing it i didn't really care for it too much um but after playing it i I think against my will about (laughs) (laughs) about a dozen times i'm starting to come around to it okay uh interesting that's and the parallels,
0: I think, for some people are going to be between that and Pipeline are going to be interesting, uh, just from the that last bit that you said. But no, I'd never heard of it, never played it. And from what I, it sounds like, I think I'm all set. Okay, thanks. <laughs> so for me, we have uh, Puerto Rico. Uh, we played Puerto Rico a, a couple of times over the course of the last week or so to both stream as well as... Uh, uh, I re- Jess had never played Puerto Rico. And so we fixed that issue. And a number of the folks, including Martin, uh, had never played with the expansion, which is the new buildings and the nobles, which significantly changed. Mm, shouldn't say significantly. The buildings change, obviously the abilities of what the buildings do in the game. So that is a significant change in and of itself. Even if the rules overhead are, well, read what's on the building and that's the difference, right? Then there's the nobles expansion, which brings in nobles, which are basically colonists that give you victory points at the end of the game. But on top of that, there are a handful of buildings that also, depending on whether or not they are populated by a colonist or by a noble do different things so it adds a degree of decision another layer of decision making in puerto rico which in my opinion is only a positive thing puerto rico still remains a top 50 hall of fame game to me because it's puerto rico and yeah i think that went over really really well overall also played a game that until a week and a half ago i'd never heard of called the shipwreck arcana it's a co-op first off which I normally despise. However, it's a logic puzzle and boy do I love logic puzzles. I grew up playing uh, being on the road a lot with uh, with my mom and my biological father and I would get those little puzzle books, you know, with logic puzzles in them and to this day I still love doing them. And basically, the Shipwreck Arcana is a group logic puzzle but card game where you're trying to beat the game before uh, you fail enough to where the game ends and you lose. And uh, there's as much information by what you do choose as what you don't choose and why you didn't choose it, but you can't communicate that to the other players when you're the active player. Overall, I was really impressed with the game and really uh, excited about playing it. And I'll be honest, I I can't wait to get a copy. I enjoyed it that much. So shipwreck arcana was really good and is a little bit dated. Now I realize, but a number of weeks ago I played 1846 with what I'm going to call the experts, which is Eric Brocious, Joe Varshanan and uh, Michael Chuck and Eric Brocious. is generally accepted as the, the world the, ha, having the most plays in the world of 1846, I think he's almost at 250 plays. I don't have 250 plays of anything outside of, like, maybe, obviously, poker. That's about it. That's amazing to me. And Joe Roshana had 200 and change. And Michael was the newbie with, like, 150. And then there's me with, like, eight. <laughs> <laughs> but the cool thing is is it was actually Eric Brocious's idea He wanted us to record a playthrough of it, not stream it, but just a a recording of it. And Michael wrote a spreadsheet to use to expedite the game. And we played it at a reasonably leisurely pace. And all of us actually stopped to think about our actions. And some of us actually tanked for a a little bit uh, AP, if you will. But, you know, took our time making a decision a couple of times throughout the game. And we still clocked in at under two and a half hours with all of the, you know, pre and post discussion and everything else and going over the spreadsheet. And so the gameplay came in at right at about two hours. I was really amazed at how quick we played it without it ever feeling rushed or pressured to hurry, you know, to try and Oh, look how fast we can play this game because these guys had played 1846 and 46 minutes before, which is insane. That's actually kind of a speed run type thing that they tried right, to right, do. Right, That's right. the exception. But it just goes to show that some of these 18xx games can be a school night game. And I think that was, I think that did a really excellent job of showing that off. We uploaded it uh, to the YouTube channel so you can check it out there. Uh, but yeah, I, I was really, really uh, impressed and excited to have that out there for folks to sh- hopefully show folks what it can be but also to provide them the the spreadsheet that michael made so that other people can use it and speed up their play and make it a school night game
1: yeah i've after watching that video it definitely made 1846 seem a lot more approachable it already feels really approachable uh but approachable and a little speedy with yeah th- watching you guys play um Even though you were significantly less plays than the others, it's not like you took that much longer. Right. Yeah. I mean, I
0: I know how to play an 18xx game. Maybe not well, mind you, but, you know, well enough to at least not completely embarrass myself. So, yeah, that's kind of what's been going on
1: here. Any acquisitions of note? Uh, I just got in uh, villagers last week. Yeah. A little tiny card game uh, that i backed on kickstarter a while ago uh it's interesting looking i don't remember why i backed it i think it was because it was only like 15 bucks note note to publishers 15 dollar games people will just buy cuz it's 15 bucks apparently all right there's that uh it came in the mail and uh, i actually kind of want to try it out I might bring. I would hope so. If you ordered the day, you know, you backed it. I would hope you'd (laughs) want to try it out. Yeah, yeah, but it's not one of the ones that I'm like super excited about, which we'll we'll get into. Sure, I'll bring it by a game day sometime. Cool. Maybe it plays in 45 minutes. Okay. Um. So interesting question on this. So I'm at the point where I don't back
0: a lot of kickstarters anymore. Mm. But I wonder how many of y'all out there, and you as well, Greg, how many of y'all are still backing games. And when they arrive, you're like, uh, like your tastes have evolved to a point to where you no longer enjoy that
1: game because that used to happen to me a lot. So I find when it's an amateur production and it takes them a while to produce it, yeah, I lose wind. But um, those are also the games that were really cheap to begin with. But the ones that... I've been anticipating before the Kickstarter happened. I'm still anticipating after the Kickstarter finished pipeline being one of them, uh, root being another, um, I gentis, even though that took forever to show up, I was glad when it did. Okay. All right. So I'm curious for the folks out there, if that's
0: happens to all, or if it did and it doesn't, or it it did. And it still does. I'm curious to see what that's like. And if that has evolved, as Kickstarter has has gone along, or is it just a personal gamer thing? I'm not sure.
1: Well, I've also backed a few that uh, just purely based on the fact that I like the company, and I was like, you know what, here, support, supporting, supporting, kind of like supporting your your neighborhood business type thing, right? Yeah, and I don't
0: know what to do with the games afterwards. So, all right, fair enough. You know, there are BGG auctions. You could always donate them to the library. You I, could, I've you been know. donating. Away.
1: All right, yeah. cool. There you go. All right. Uh, as far as uh, hunting or anticipating, anything on the shopping list? Um, the last couple of games I kickstarted, I guess I'm anticipating, because uh, both are coming out a lot quicker than I thought. Uh, Clinics. Clinic Deluxe, Deluxe. Yeah. I think that's set to come out by winter. Oh, really? Is it? Or Something like that. It- Oh no, I'm thinking of something else. The Clinic is is a lot faster coming along than I thought, though. Um, but the one that just finished, uh, I think this week. Okay, Preda Porter. Oh, Preda Portier. Portier, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, Which I'm awful.
0: glad to hear that uh, Ignacy. Uh, so Preda Portier from uh, Portal Games. Cool economic game about uh, fashion and fashion design. I love the theme. I'm not big on fashion. I'm not big on, you know, the the latest trends coming out of Milan and Paris and everything. However, what I am, what I do dig are unique themes. And the only other dressmaking type game and fashion game that I can think of is Rococo. And this was the original. I'm glad that they didn't re-theme it. I'm glad they kept the theme because... That's cool to me. I like something different and off the beaten path. So well done there, and I'm excited to have a usable uh, rule book because the first edition, which I have, that is the most impenetrable rule book
1: ever written, other than maybe Rochefort. the The second edition's not bad. My my buddy has a second edition. I, I got her from there. Okay, um, but yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the next one coming out. The third. Anything else? Uh, no, that's it. What about you for
0: you? Well, smartphone Inc. recently hit Kickstarter. And if you've listened to our review on this, you knew that I was, uh, done with the game. I'm all set. No interest. And, uh, yeah, it's time to move on from that game because I enjoyed that game less and less with every play that I played. However, I read on BGG that the designer, Ivan Lishka, I think, uh, the designer, he said that uh, he listened to our review. He loved the review and it helped him to design some of the mini expansion or expansion things that are in the Kickstarter to make the game have more replayability and more longevity and to make it more interesting outside of just the programming, which you do in the first step. I obviously have never seen any of these things yet, uh, but uh, the, I'm my interest is piqued a little bit by it, but I'm still a l- little apprehensive about it. But there's a reason I kept my copy of the game is in case they did come out with an expansion that did it. I wanted to be able to give it a try and Jess was of the same mind. So still have the copy. So I'd like to check out what the uh, what the expansion or the. The stretch goals or mini expansion, whatever you want to call it. I'm curious to see what that brings to the game and the only other thing that's kind of on my uh on my anticipation list is we got to talking the other day, me, Julie, and jess about Fragger games Fragger games uh they used to, they are no longer with us the the company ceased operating. it was a I think a couple of brothers and they made one game every year and they tend to make a way overproduced game, uh, usually co-ops that had these resin minis. And it was all about the mini, like the the actual components and less about the game. For the most part, games like Spellbound or uh, a game of gnomes, stuff like that. Uh, Poseidon. Poseidon's Kingdom, I think, where the original one was, was one of them. Anyway, there's a game that isn't like that, that I have heard really good things about over the course of the last handful of years, and it's a game that actually got put back on my radar after this discussion this week, and that's called Antics. Uh, it's about uh, ants and, I think, ant eaters, I think. Uh, but it has some really cool mechanisms, and it's supposed to be a really good game. And it's expensive. I mean, it's, well, I say expensive, right? But, I mean, in the scheme of Splatter and 18xx, falls in that line. But I don't know if I want to pull the trigger on a $90 game that, but I know it's, ah, I'm torn. But anyway, Antics from Frank uh, Frager Games, that would be on uh, on the potential shopping list, I would say.
1: Okay, I mean, that's something uh looking forward to playing what you got uh, i'm looking forward to playing wildcatters and as you should it's a very good game and i've never played it really yeah but uh i got it during Heavycon, and it's next on the list to play uh at my game night oh excellent yeah that's that's fantastic did you uh did you sticker it already yeah.
0: Ooh, better man than I. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I, There's I, a I, lot of
0: stickers in that game. You don't need to, but it does look prettier when you sticker it. But, man, it's
1: a lot of stickers. It's a lot.
0: <laughs> you know, a uh, uh, little, uh, little tip here for those that don't know. Games that have stickers, because if you do end up playing them a lot, the stickers eventually, you know, how the edges can curl or, or whatever, you get some clear fingernail polish and paint over with the fingernail polish around the edges it essentially seals it so that
1: won't happen so there there's a little uh gamer tip hmm. for you and i don't have to go buy clear nail polish because i live with three women well that works so there you go so i would just come
0: into your one bottle you might want to ask but yeah, yeah. It, it works really well for that <laughs> and uh what about for you well i pipeline more oh, please yeah, yes yeah. right but uh three other games uh pax premier second edition both jess and i can't seem to get enough of that game regardless of the player count i do want to play it with the uh walk-on or or th- with the, the ai bot right. i want to try both solo and two player with that i haven't done so yet and people are asking me to do a playthrough of it with the bot so i think i'm gonna try and do that post gen con got enough <laughs> on my plate for right now another one that i think we're gonna play uh later today which is black angel from pearl Games slash asmo day i've heard a lot of buzz and i've heard some of that buzz wane and i've heard some of it still stays really strong buzz being both oh this is really good and then some people be like well and other people are like no still really enjoying black angel and this goes back to all the way to uh, the gathering of friends in april so I uh, got a copy, which we're going to be streaming for Gen Con, which it's going to be re- uh, debuting at Gen Con. So looking forward to making my own determination on that. And then the big one for me, both in terms of scope as well as responsibility, but that's BIOS Origins. I am super stoked to get that to the table. I just got to find other people that are willing to dedicate some time to play it with me.
1: Yeah. Um Definitely me. Oh, you volunteer as tribute, do you? After uh, Bios Megafauna. Yeah, I want to try this. Okay. All right. Awesome. Good deal. you ready to uh digging for oil and pipeline let's do it all right pipeline
0: published in 2019 designed by ryan courtney artwork by the ENO tool published by capstone games plays two to four players says the play times 120 minutes as far as availability and cost well, it officially hits retail this week. So, hey, you'll be able to get it this week. I know Kickstarter backers have had it for a while, and it kind of did a soft release at Origins Game Fair last month in June. But, hey, coming to uh, coming to Gen Con here shortly. As far as plays and player counts that we've experienced. I've had about nine plays with all player counts. And mine's about the same, including prototype plays going back what almost three years now, mm. but yeah, most of the plays have been at three and four. And then you and I both played at once at two player last night.
1: Yeah. So as far as an overview, take it away, Greg. All right. In the game of pipeline, we are all oil tycoons trying to make as much money as we can. Over the course of three years, we'll be building our pipeline in order to turn crude oil into higher quality oil that we can then sell in various markets or hand it into contracts and orders that are guaranteed to pay out, all while trying to avoid getting into debt. In addition to building our pipe network, we'll be aiming to get tanks to store more oil, oil, machines to help run our lines more efficiently, and upgrades which might aid us in making more money with less effort. At the end of three years, our network will be evaluated, which will give us more potential to make more money. Whee! Money, money, money. 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 All right. Ooh, let's
0: not ever do that again. <laughs> All right. So let's go over the, what we consider the five factors that give the game its weight, starting off with uh, complexity or the rules overhead.
1: Yeah. When it comes to rules density, I find Pipeline is not nearly as complicated as some of its contemporaries. Um, I mean, there are 10 available actions uh, open to you, and four of them are buy or sell oil. Uh, five of the other actions, buying pipes, machines, tanks, upgrades, or contracts are a bit more nuanced, but are still relatively straightforward. Yeah, they really are.
0: And just rules overhead, the rulebook's pretty big. I mean, relatively speaking, I mean, it's physically big and it it's about a dozen pages, which really isn't too, too bad. There's a lot of actions, but you don't have as much choice as it might seem that you have because of the fact that some some actions
1: just don't make sense at certain times. Right. Like, obviously, you can't sell oil if you don't have oil. Right. And you can't sell unrefined
0: oil if you have oil. You have to refine it first. So it definitely directs
1: you down certain paths, but you choose those paths that you do. Correct. Um, yeah, the, the biggest complexities of the game, they don't come from the rules themselves, but just implementing them. Uh, I can explain buying oil and running pipes until I'm blue in the face, but typically by the time I finish teaching the game, the first question I'm asked is, okay, so how do I make that work? Yeah. People get buying pipes. They understand you buy pipes, you
0: make a pipeline, get it. Then they get, they understand buying oil. But
1: most people struggle to figure out what do they do with that sweet, sweet Texas tea. Yeah, and uh, I think the only thing is really like the upgrades aren't terribly obvious as to how to benefit from them. Uh, Although some are very obvious, you know, get pipes now and also forever. Uh, But some can seem like, why would I spend a turn going there? I need oil and paper is not oil. I'll get those later. Right. Uh, But then the player who has played the game says not me mate i'm gonna get me some free machines thank you very much it's probably an experience problem though and not a complexity problem
0: yeah i i definitely agree that the weight of the game comes from at least in my opinion the next thing which is the planning and the depth of that planning
1: yeah uh if you do not plan ahead you will not do well It doesn't mean you're out of the game, but a lack of planning against an opponent that is planning is a surefire way to make the game a lot harder than it ought to be. Yeah, you have 18 turns over the course of three
0: years. You have 18 actions, although there are potentially secondary actions that you might be able to take, kind of like in a game like Vinos that only has a finite amount of actions, but you might be able to take additional actions based on what you do on a given turn.
1: Right. Uh any squandered opportunity, it's going to result in failing to meet your contract's deadline or starting the year with no money, which could result you, in debt. You know, you don't need to bring up what happened last night. There's no need <laughs> to to point out my deficiencies like that. I appreciate yeah, it. Listen, uh, that said, the pipeline, it's almost more tactical than strategic, uh, depending on your player order. Everyone is fighting for the same resources and you might miss out on some pipe you needed or lose out on all the cheap oil. So strategizing is important, certainly, but being able to pivot will take you out of some sticky situations. Agreed on the pivoting.
0: But at the same time, you do have to have a plan because in the end, especially when you have looming contracts, because contracts have to be fulfilled by the end of the given year. Where they're, where they're active, whether they're active or deferred, deferred being you don't have to worry about them until subsequent years. But if you have a looming contract, you better have a plan how to be able to fulfill that contract, or you're going to end up with a debt cube. And you might stymie yourself from being able to complete other contracts, which then make more debt cubes. And if you get too many debt cubes, let's face it, you're not out of the game, but you're out of the game. So yeah. you better have a plan for that.
1: Yeah, it it's more so you should have an overall strategy, but you should also have a lot of pivot points, a lot of room to maneuver. But that also comes into a experiential
0: issue there as far as being able to know that you need to pivot. But we'll get into that more as we go along. Yep. Now, turn order. Turn order can be a significant thing in this game, and you can control turn order, But it does have an opportunity cost because only some of those aforementioned 10 actions have the ability to change and adjust turn order. So if you desperately need to change turn order, you might not be able to take the action that you really desperately need to do. So you now have to weigh your immediacy of changing turn order over the immediacy of doing something else that doesn't allow you to change that turn order.
1: Yeah. I mean, of those actions that let you change turn order there's only four actions and two of them. You're probably not doing multiple times on a round, right? On a year uh, on a year,
0: right? Yeah. 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 Or be it upgrades, etc., And contracts, you're not going to probably go and take multiple of those because that ultimately the game is a game of efficiency. So if you're doing that multiple times in the same year, unlikely, to be beneficial there might be exceptions to this but for the most part so again that planning as well as a cost benefit analysis that you constantly need to be doing especially when it comes to the turn order because again when we're talking about those upgrades being able to go over and get ones before they get blocked off that's where that whole having a strategy but also being able to pivot comes into play. So moving on to luck and random factors.
1: Uh, The initial setup is randomized. Uh, Initial turn order, the pipes you get, the pipe length of every pipe needs to be, the contracts you get, and the upgrades you can pick from are all randomized. There are additional pipes and contracts that are added twice in the game that are also randomized. Uh, But once you start playing, there's no luck, no dice rolling, no wheel spinning. There's no cards stacked against you. It's just a race for efficiency.
0: Right, but however, I do want to kind of go back to something you just said with the pipe draw between the the years as well as uh the contract refills. Those are random. However, there's not enough randomness in that. You're not going to be like I need this one pipe to come out, I need this one pipe to come out. Oh, it didn't come out. I'm screwed. Oh, that cost me my game. I have n- n- no No, there's none of that. There is randomness in between the years in those refillings, but not enough to significantly impact the game. I don't feel like
1: I agree. Uh, The contracts are similar enough that if the perfect one doesn't come out, uh, that's a shame. But uh, the same thing with the pipes. If the perfect one doesn't come out. Okay, there's one that's close enough. That's just as good. But the good news, though, with the contracts is
0: the upcoming ones are face-up, so you know which ones are coming the next year. So at least that helps offset some of that perceived randomness. Even though there is randomness in what's coming, you know a year in
1: advance, at least. So there's that. Yeah. And plus... Uh, there's so many options in the contracts themselves not only is there the three different colors of oils there's the three different grades of oils and there's all the different combinations right and different combinations
0: of complexity and and, and how involved these contracts can be some are quite easy some are very difficult but you get that payoff for the difficult ones
1: and realistically the only difficulty factor in some of them is just oh I didn't plan for white uh, oil so I don't have any white pipes or silver white same same oh, difference yeah yeah, yeah right so I
0: guess what we're saying here is there's not enough luck or randomness in this game that is going to detract to from the weight and if anything i think it contributes to the weight because there's not really a whole lot by way of a catch-up mechanic which we'll go into more in depth as we go along but yeah so i think there it definitely contributes to the weight here
1: yeah for the most part uh stuff like food chain magnate where there's no luck it's just everything you see is out in the open so who does it better who does it better right so moving on to game length how do you see uh this impacting things uh it it's not a terribly long game uh I think my longest game was three hours and that was with four players with a full teach and a lot of drinking and goofing off wasn't the game no it wasn't the game. It was the <laughs> uh, I think three players on average for me is about an hour and a half again that's with the teach and the setup and the teardown. that sounds about
0: right so at the beginning um, I mentioned that uh, the overview that it says that it's a two hour game we played two player last night and I'll be honest I was a little bit rusty because it'd been a little bit since I'd played pipeline however we played it in what after the setup we played it in I think 45 minutes yeah it was as pretty. a two player game like we could have played it
1: twice in the span of a quote-unquote normal game right yeah it the time length they suggest, I think, is just to be safe. Yeah, I think so. This is one of those to where I I feel like it's an accurate description on how
0: long the game will take. Obviously, AP can affect, and obviously, it can run a little bit long with that. But I would say between an hour to two hours, depending on player count. Yeah, yeah. And and I don't feel like that contributes at all to the weight of the game.
1: What about the getting it factor? Um. So this one's a hard one to judge because for me, I got pipeline right away. Don't worry, I didn't, (laughs) Uh, but I didn't really do well until I played it a few times. So you can get how to do stuff and you can get the sort of pipeline network, um, but getting it to work for you, that can take a little bit of time. Uh, I find, though, that one complete game is enough for people to get most of the rules some a little less time than that some a little more but most of the time the game's too short to really be able to remedy when you figure it out halfway through yes uh but most people i've played want to try it again a second time and this time they usually come back and beat me (laughs) for me um i think it's important to see the end game scoring and how some of the
0: valuations score things some of the end game scoring might score twice because of the valuations or end game scoring goals that that happen or in the case of last night four times right as it were that that did not do um if a game has end game scoring hint focus on that um and the repercussions of poor planning but that usually is in evidence after the first year or so, or possibly even after your first couple of actions, you're like, Oh, okay. I see where I screwed up now. And okay, let's reset. Cause I'm out of it or something along those lines, but yeah, uh, playing well, I'll be honest, you know, I'm eight, nine plays into it and I'm, I'm still not there as far as playing well, and I see this as a good thing. It's not that the rules are causing me to play poorly. It's my poor play and the implementation of plans and adapting to other players that's causing me to play poorly. So it's entirely a a me issue and not a game issue, but the getting it. Yeah, I would say no more than a game to because the rules overhead, like we talked about, not terribly difficult how to do well. In a short amount of time that the game actually is, as far as the number of actions that you get, that's the
1: issue. So ultimately, where would you say this falls weight wise? I'd say it's heavy, but if I were to really stretch, it's just on the cusp of heaviness. Uh, It's similar to a Lacerda in that I feel like a lot of the density comes from figuring out how to play efficiently in a short amount of time. Uh, But unlike Lacerda, the rules are fairly straightforward. There are very few pitfalls, and I think I've thumbed through the rulebook a couple of times for clarification uh, since reading it. Yeah, I totally get that Lacerda vibe to the game, and I hope this comes across well, and
0: it's kind of what you alluded to there. there. But it feels like there's less moving parts, or another way to put it, less mechanisms involved than a typical VTOL game. But man, the depth here, really, really good. Really meaty without it feeling too much and the depth of the game and the implementation of each decision puts this on the heavy end of the scale for me as well for sure so moving on to component quality and such uh i pretty decent right it's pretty good <laughs> <laughs> i uh i love the bits Oh, I think it's fantastic. I'm being sarcastic when I say that. Like we have the game out here in front of us right now and the cardboard is super thick. Like this would, it feels like it would stop a bullet. It wouldn't, but it feels like it would. Everything about this game is high quality. I would say as far as the, the component wise.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that the, from the, everything from the, the cards, the upgrade cards to the pipes themselves to the board is great. I also happen to have the addition with the metal cubes as do i and i don't think they're go out of your way special they're not but boy am i glad to have them they're nice they
0: are i i i'm a real big fan of wooden bits far far higher than plastic but i do really like the metal metal cubes i'm not gonna lie it's nice but it you know what if they were wooden i wouldn't I wouldn't feel like I got a lesser version of the game, though.
1: And what's great is the game comes with wooden cubes still. So if I really, really didn't like the metal cubes, I do have the original bits as well. All the cards are linen finish. They're they're good card
0: stock. I mean, they're solid. So everything about the production quality on this game is top notch.
1: I'm very, very happy with it. But I'll be honest, I kind of expect that with Capstone at this point. Yeah, uh, and there's one other component-related thing, although I'm not sure if it's component or graphic design thing. But uh, the four actions that get rearranged in the center cross, I really appreciate that they're either vertical or horizontal, and the alignment changes depending on which way you put them.
0: Yeah. Uh, on the flip side, on the back side of the tile, one way is for if it's on the horizontal; it's on the other side. It's if it were on the vertical axis. And well done, Ian. That's a little touch that I really appreciated as well. So that kind
1: of let's roll into that graphic design, actually, as we're talking about it. Sure. So I know, you know, tool gets some flack for being overused. Does he really? I mean, it's it's sort of like, oh, Ian O'Toole, huh? Better put it on Kickstarter with Ian O'Toole's name, and you'll make a lot of money. Why? Why is that a bad thing? The dude does excellent work. I, I see. Know. I see that as a positive. Right. That should be a positive. It's not his fault that his name sells games. Uh, but uh, if I'm going to be honest here, I I legitimately think that this is Ian's best work. Uh, at least it's probably my favorite of his. The iconography is consistent, if a little small in some places. Uh, the font choices are fantastic. The color palette is practical and elegant, and the usage of extra bits to constrict the game based on player count are just so wonderfully done. Yeah, it's really, really well done. Okay, so here I will, I will, I will be the uh, foil for this.
0: I do have one legitimate beef, uh, graphic design wise, which is on the crude market specifically. If I'm sitting on the bottom part of the board, like the board is facing me and I'm looking at the crude market, whether it's the yellow, the silver or the blue oil, uh, I cannot read the price of the oil past the cubes. So had that been written on both sides, both the top and the bottom of that, that would have been better. But again, if that's my only nitpick on the graphic design, I think we're doing okay. Yeah uh yeah overall a total home run everything is very clear and the way the graphic design is done it actually answers a lot of the questions that you would normally have without having to go to the rule book which that's kind of the point of what good
1: graphic design is i think is it not yeah yeah i mean when you go oh what am i supposed to affect during the refresh phase oh here put there's a little icon. You're right. Put five new cubes out or make sure that it's full up. You know, you fill up
0: to five or you fill up to six or four or whatever it is. It's all very clear. Yep. So well done on that. Moving on to the box size. It's kind of a a thicker version of Ticket to Ride, or I guess it's a standard Ticket to Ride box version but it's a physically thick box it's just sturdy 11.7 by 11.7 inches by 2.8 inches or essentially 30 by 30 by 7 centimeters so it's a ticket to ride box
1: yeah yeah it it feels a lot bigger than a ticket to ride box so uh probably because it's just heavy duty like it's just like
0: again talking about stopping a a speeding bullet like thick
1: yeah yeah it fits okay on the shelf. It's not going to be a problem, I think, for most people. Yeah, it, I, I think it's a. It, it's fine. It's it's it's
0: not excessively big. Could it be a little bit thinner? Maybe like not as thick. Not the
1: like like two point seven inches. It could be a little bit thinner. I guess maybe. I think you could cut off a quarter inch, even a half inch. But but again, we're nitpicking, right? Right. So moving on to the artwork. I think
0: it looks really good. I am a fan of this because to me, when I think oil refining, I kind of alluded to it a little bit when I said where we were coming from this episode, Texas City. So Texas City is out on the coast near, I think, Houston in Texas, a bunch of oil refineries. When I think of oil refineries, I think of a bunch of pipes everywhere, but kind of a very, not stark, but clean. Clean as in not a lot of fluff, not a lot of extra stuff. Things that are there are there for a reason, and that's all there is. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I feel like that theme comes through in the artwork here. And at the top of the board, you have kind of this, I don't know, like silhouette on on water so kind of a texas city kind of feel at the top of the of the board it's an oil painting yeah well, it, uh, uh, <laughs> but it's an oil painting of an oil refinery right and it it's the same artwork that's on the front of the box and everything else there's no artwork per se on i don't know what is that 75 80% of the board but it shouldn't because it it's mimicking that that aesthetic, and I like that. But again, I'm predisposed to like Ian's aesthetic, anyways. And I think this is fantastic.
1: I I really really think he did a really good job with the artwork on this. Yeah, I agree. um In college, I would get a lot of flack for making designs like this that so were very minimalist. That, that's yeah. a good way to put it. Minimalist, yes. It, I mean, it's not super minimalist, but it's it's definitely a lot more functional than elegant and uh, i'm sorry functional than form there you go because i was i was giving him kind of a raised eyebrow look like wait no i think it is elegant that's exactly it it, it's as functional as you can get without being ugly yeah but that's That's, how it's i'm okay with that i'm good with that exactly again with the theme it makes sense and, uh, yeah, I just think it's strove to be more functional than the form. And again, not a bad thing. Functional. That looks good is ridiculously hard to pull off. And I think Ian knocked it out of the park. Uh, I, you know, I also have a thing for a simple and clean design. Uh, I can see though how someone could look at this board and see it as bland. But I, I think those are the same people that look at 18xx boards and think, oh, where's all the color. Trust me, I read the comments. Yeah. There are plenty of people that, don't, that that think
0: it's ugly and terrible and just boring, which, so there's that.
1: Which I just don't get, because the, the blue and the orange and the gray that they use for the um, oil and the pipes and everything, right? It's a abstract color, but
0: it's a good choice. I imagine it's colorblind friendly, but it's also, they're very distinct, and I like the aesthetic of it. So enough about the artwork. All right. Moving on. Rulebook clarity and quality. It's,
1: you know, the rulebook doesn't suck, right? No, I'm kidding. It's actually a fantastic rulebook. I legitimately don't know if I've read a better rulebook. Uh, I don't think rulebooks get enough attention unless they're really bad. Oh, don't worry. I hammer enough of them. <laughs> Trust me. I Yeah. 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 But uh, I, I think pipeline deserves extra consideration for what it did here. The font choices are consistent with the board it's the same two that are on all of the components uh they're both sans serif and i want to know what both of them are so we can use them up on projects forever uh I, I think avant-garde is what we came up with for one of them although i'm not even sure if that's right but last night what we looked up I two or three
0: things and this this to me is my favorite thing about the rule book there were two or three questions that we had that we were just as refreshers, right? And one of them was about contracts, I think. One was about, uh, I'm trying to think, one was about orders. And I was like, well, you should be able to look it up in the orders section. Yep, there it is. Oh, good. Oh, for the con. Oh, it's right there where it should be. And the- it, is, it is hard to pull off a rule book that is both a good teaching tool, but also a good reference. A lot of times rule books should have, in my opinion, two different types of rule books, one to learn from and one to reference. However, if you're only going to give me one rule book, I better be able to reference something and have it make sense as to where it is in the rule book. And for every time to my knowledge that I've had to look something up, it's been exactly where I feel like it should be in the rule book, like where the common sense, Oh, I'm looking for this. It should be there. And it has been, that is so important and so overlooked. I feel like ref being able to reference the rule book in a logical, intuitive way cannot be overstated.
1: Yeah. Um, and not only is it hard to make a rule book that, The rules themselves are easy to understand and interpret, but it's hard to make one that also looks good. Uh, And doing both of those things is great. Perhaps the most consistent thing that was done was that the pages, they're all balanced equally with information density. Two thirds of each page rule. One third of each page example. Right. Because the
0: the rules are in the kind of towards the middle of the of the rule book and the examples are
1: all out on the outside of them so if you're looking for how to learn how to play boom it's right there right where your eyes are going to focus and if you're like oh wait i'm not sure exactly might need a little bit more clarification it's right there right next to it and um this isn't like something new that Eno know did but the book is just so consistent with the waiting. The setup pages and the content pages even mirror the split of information, with one thirds of credits and introduction, and two thirds of contents. So, big shout out to uh, Travis Hill, a buddy of mine, who did the
0: uh, the illustration. Or, I'm sorry, did the editing for the rulebook. Really well done. Seriously, um, more people should use him because this was fantastic. I I would like to critique and there are 61 rules questions. The game hasn't even officially been released yet, but there are 61 rules questions. But, I'll be honest. A lot of these, read the rule book. It's answered there, the majority. So, overall, I would give it very high marks for a successful rule book in general. Yeah. So, moving on to setup and teardown and and teaching and and learning and everything. We'll start with the setup and teardown. You first. Why are heavy games so hard to set up? No, it's not all heavy games, but man, this is an involved process. There are a lot of stuff this. If there's one thing that I would say feels like a Lacerda game, this is definitely where it feels like it as far as the setup and teardown. There's just there's just no shortcut here. I will give a shout out to our friends over at Meeple Realty. They have an insert that is both gorgeous, but also really helps cut down on everything. But again, now you're having to pay an extra 40, 50 bucks, whatever it is for an insert for a game that you already paid, I don't know, whatever the MSRP is, we'll call it 50, 60 bucks for the game. It's just it's just a big game. There's just a lot of stuff to set up.
1: Yeah, and honestly, once Ryan Courtney picked the theme that he picked, it was always going to have a lot of bits. Agreed. Um the one the one kind of I don't know. thing that I feel like could have been
0: implemented a little bit better. I'm not saying it could have. I'm saying it feels like it could have. Are all of the upgrades they're just stacks of cards off to the side. I just feel like there could have been a way to implement it to the side of the board or have a little sideboard or something, maybe, but neither here nor there. That's the only thing that kind of feels out of place a little bit in
1: the setup. It's a little off. Um, The upgrade cards themselves feel a little weird because there's three of level one and then there's one of level two and one of level three. I, I, I honestly don't know where I'd put them. Elsewhere understood, but set up in general, uh, we use baggies for everything
0: and it's just, it's just the, it's just the chore
1: a bit. It takes about, I don't know what, 15 minutes to set it up. Yeah. I mean, it's not the worst setup. I mean, it's no tricurion or clinic agreed, but it's not the Sioux line either. Agreed. It's just got a lot of stuff. So it's inevitable, I suppose. Yeah. And then Teardown, it's the same, but in reverse. Right, just
0: put them all back in the baggies, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Um,
0: When it comes to teaching and learning, though. You've taught this game more than I have. I have my way of teaching to where, give an overview of everything on the board, and then I completely front load everything in my teach. How I know you streamline it down to like 15 minutes. How do you go about doing it?
1: uh, Basically the exact same way, but I just try and group a lot of these actions together because they are so similar. Yeah. Refine market one, two, and three go
0: to refine market one, two, or three and sell or buy oil there.
1: I get it. The bulk of the teach. This is one of my favorite games to teach. The bulk of the teach is teaching the only complex part of the game, which is how do you actually process oil? Yeah. Right. How do you make money? Like, For the most part, so many of these actions are just so straightforward. Um, I mean, there's some easy way to explain things. This is Machines and Pipes. Here you can buy Machines and Pipes. This is Tanks and Pipes. Here you can buy Tanks and Pipes. I have now described 20% of your available actions. Right. There you go. Uh, If given the choice, I will almost always teach this game. I think i've done it yeah i think it's about 20 minutes really not 15 like 15 is a little too fast um but I, I really haven't timed it but i know it's quick um like i said most of the teaching is just okay here's how you make money here's how you make pipes to make money honestly though i initially learned it from watching your video well mission accomplished then in that case so good i went from watching your video to someone going how do you play pipeline and nobody knew and i went I can do it. Cool. Hey, that that's nice to hear. I appreciate <laughs> that. I, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. And uh, I think other people have, in Slack, they've said, how do you learn how to play Pipeline? And I go, legitimately, go watch the video again. Watch the first 45 minutes. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah.
0: And obviously, I'm doing it at a pace, and I'm doing it at a... Complete front loading everything to where not everybody needs that. So you could probably trim it down to about half that time and you're good to go. Yeah. Which yeah. is exactly what you did. All right. Let's get on to the meat thing. So why, why do you dig this game? Why do you enjoy it? If you do, dun, 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 dun.
1: which you might have to wait to the end to find out. Yeah. No, let's face it. We both like this game. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Why? Uh, it Pipeline's a game of efficient actions. I know that right away can bore some people, so I thought I put that out there. If an efficiency euro isn't your style, then pipeline might not exactly be for you. Yep. And there's nearly zero luck
0: in the game. And while the contracts are randomized, and it's incredibly rare that a contract perfectly synergizes with the current board state will appear. Really the only luck in the game that can have an impact is the turn order at the very beginning. And even that doesn't guarantee oh i went first i have a leg up because it can be an advantage to go later in a round depending on how things are seated at the beginning of the game
1: yeah uh I, i said it before it shares some similarities in food chain magnate, shared resources open information on the board state and a game where timing is key to the pace of the game and you start the game broke only to end up loaded at the end If you did well, that is
0: correct. And when you say broke, you ain't lying. You start with 40 bucks at the beginning. And if you want to take a secondary action in this game, which four of well, technically eight of the actions allow you to take a secondary action. But to do so, it costs you 25 percent of your starting seed money or your starting capital yeah that is prohibitively expensive the option is there if you want to take it and as the game goes along you tend to see it used more and more as the game goes along however
1: the choice is yours right yeah and it it, it kind of leads into the next point it's got a great narrative arc in the beginning you have peanuts but by the end you've got a milkshake empire turning black gold into real gold it feels like how it should feel to run an oil barony. <laughs> Small actions in the beginning that barely make your money back to turns that accomplish quite a lot and nearly double the money you started with on that turn. Yeah, I mean, there were actions to where you're
0: making 100 200 bucks 200 in a given action if you do well. That feels really good. When you are able to plan out and be like, okay, if I do... If I get the oil there and I've made the pipeline and I can go ahead and not only use an action this turn to go ahead and refine it, but then at the end, I can pay to have my machines to actually process it even further, which then completes this contract. Oh man, that feels so good. It feels so good
1: when you're successful at doing that. Yeah. And when you start with 40 bucks and the very first time you sell, you get a hundred back. Ooh. Oh, that feels good, doesn't it? Yeah it really
0: does. And okay, so super quick turns. And by super quick, I mean there were times, especially in last night's game. Now obviously you and I are both experienced players with with pipeline at this point, but we're taking turns
1: that take forty five seconds for the both of us. And that was because we had to reach all the way to the other side of the table.
0: Right. It very, very quick turns. Don't get me wrong. There are instances where turns can drag a bit. Um, I I caused a lot of that because of AP, which we'll talk about here uh, when we get to the flip side of things. But for the most part, turns fly by. There have been instances uh, in multiplayer game, and by multiplayer I mean more than two, to where I just finished my action and I'm still trying to plan out my next turn and it's already my turn. And I'm like, hey, whoa, whoa. not ready hold on give me a second give me just a second
1: it's sort of one thing with a really quick turn order that turn order manipulation is really important who knew (laughs) i i do enjoy the balancing act that claiming a position early in the round isn't enough to maintain that position too how so so when you say oh i'll go first next round that doesn't mean you're going first next round if you are already first and you say i'm gonna go first next round and the next person goes you know what i'd like to go first next round they slide you back one
0: space to where now they're first and this is what i said earlier or this is what i alluded to earlier that going last early isn't necessarily a bad thing because you can trump everybody else to make sure that you go first the next turn and actually get back-to-back actions
1: but what feels really good is when you look at the board look at the board state and realize they're not going to be able to manipulate turn order this round or the next round so if i claim first now i'll go first for the next four rounds and the reason you know that is because Of the 10 actions,
0: only four of them allow you to manipulate turn order, and it's possible that you can see, oh, they don't need this. They don't need this. They can't do that. They're not going to do this. Oh, hey, I'm golden. I'm good. I don't need to worry about that, and so it very much is not a head down kind of game. I've heard a lot of criticism about this game being multiplayer solitaire. But that's not entirely true because there is quite a bit of interaction. But it is kind of third-party interaction through the game. It's not me directly impacting you. It's my choices are impacting you. Does that? There's a. It's subtle, but there is a difference between that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because it's shared resources. If I go to a spot and I go, all right, I scoop up all the orange gold, or all, all the orange oil rather, uh, and you needed all of that orange oil, then it's up to you to figure out what you're going to do. Now. Right. Lemonade on lemons now. And not
0: only that, but yeah, there in that turn order uh, interaction. Now, let's face it. Almost all, if not all of the interaction that is here, whether it's a, uh, indirect or not, is negative interaction as well. Which I'm good with. I have no problem. It, not take that because it's it's all about efficiency. So if you were worried about efficiency, you're worried about what you're doing in your game. You are not going out of your way to screw somebody over. There is one exception to that though, and that's the upgrades.
1: Yeah, and I like that exception. I like I like a bit of meanness in my games. No, <laughs> surprised and. I think this has the right balance of meanness. If you're going out of your way to screw over your opponent for most of the actions in this game, you're not going to do well. But the one area where you can be a little mean, it's kind of fine to be mean because that person's probably like, yeah, I wasn't going to spend the money on that anyway. Maybe. Maybe. And
0: what we're talking about is the upgrades. So when you take the upgrade action, you spend 20 bucks and you can get any one upgrade that's available. If you're the first one that year to do it, you have your option of the whole kit and caboodle. You can also get a second one if you want for an additional 20 bucks. But then those are unavailable to everybody, including you on subsequent turns for the remainder of that year. But this is where the worm turns a bit. And this is where the I would say is the most divisive aspect of this game which is you then can block off one additional upgrade path for people for the entire year some people feel that or say that that feels a bit arbitrary and a bit just very pointedly mean and they're not wrong that it's pointedly mean but i don't know that it's arbitrary
1: yeah i don't know that it's arbitrary either i think it's a balancing act it's go to the upgrades first get full gamut of the whole thing the idea is to sort of stop everybody from going to the upgrades in the year it's one of those things that you have to make a conscious decision i want an upgrade i'm going to go there before they're gone and the only way you could do that and still give you options is by blocking off other spots And that is speaking of blocking, that's the only blocking that's in this game in a sense that
0: it's not worker placement. So if I go to the crude market, everybody can go to the crude market. You have 10 options and all 10 are always available to you, even though some might not make sense to do right now or might not be able to do because you can't refine oil if you don't have oil, as we said earlier. But there's no blocking in the game. Outside of over there or by taking something that
1: somebody wants, whether it's pipelines or oil, etc. Yeah. And there's always options. If someone takes your pipes, there are other pipes. They might not be as good and they might not or they might be as good, but just not for you. Right. right. (laughs) Uh, But rarely will someone go out of their way to take a pipe that isn't optimal to them because they know it's optimal to you. Honestly, I couldn't tell you what was optimal for Ed, other than like you had clearly you were going for blue pipes, right? If I really want to be mean, maybe I could spend an extra 10 bucks and take blue pipes.
0: but myself. yeah, you're not going to do it to be spiteful or, you know, ill intended. You're going to do what's best for you because again, going back to that efficiency, right? Right. Um, yeah. Plays great. At all player counts, and we'll go into this a little bit more later on, but I'll be honest, I've enjoyed all my plays at three and four, and I thoroughly enjoyed my plays
1: at two, or my play at two last night. Being able to play it at any player count and still have a good game, so hard to pull off. Yep, and pretty
0: rare, so well done on that. Ultimately, the game is a spatial puzzle, kind of building your pipeline, which I struggle mightily with, let me tell you, plus efficiency, plus planning, and being able to hopefully anticipate other players' actions. Wonderful mix across the board of all of those things put together into one package.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I I think those kind of check off a lot of things that I'm decent at. So I I think that's where I go for it. It's tight. There's no catch-up mechanic. That can be a double-edged sword,
0: but we've we've said this a number of times. Every decision that you make in this game is very meaningful and very impactful. Misstep,
1: and your opponent doesn't, you're screwed. Yep, but that's the game. And the good thing is, it's a pretty quick game. It's one of the fastest uh, difficulty-to-speed ratio of any game I've played in a while. What do you mean, difficulty-to-speed? Oh, do you just mean? like how fast it is, but how hard it is yeah okay fair enough uh i think one game dragged long but for the most part they're one and a half hour fares and i'll be
0: honest this is one of those rare games uh pax Premier is another that uh does this that as soon as i finish a game i want to play it again that doesn't happen
1: terribly often yeah and it's fast enough that you're like yeah, hey, you know what we do have time for another one right especially as a two-player 45 minutes and you don't have to really set up
0: the game anymore yeah let's it's you know, let's play two yeah. to to take one from Ernie Banks. All right. On the flip side, though, things uh, not terribly keen about or, or less so. I'll start. So AP alert big time on this. OK, we need to talk about this. I don't suffer from AP terribly often. I really don't, especially as the guy who normally runs uh, the live streams. I take it upon myself to really not. AP, and if I make a suboptimal move, so be it, okay? Not the end of the world. However, (laughs) the spatial aspect of this game and me having to build this pipeline and arguably three pipelines, possibly more than three pipelines at once because you have the orange, the silver, and the blue pipelines all refined orange, silver, and blue oil, or just different types of oil, as it were, abstractly represented here. Man, that's so hard. It's so hard for me to get that right. And this can, if I allow it, bring out the worst in the AP in me, because that puzzly aspect, it's not natural for me. My brain does not work very well when it comes to spatial aspects of games like this, and I struggle mightily. However, I'm aware of that. So therefore, I try and take it upon myself to not slow down the game for everybody else. And I would suggest that everybody else do the same. But man, this game can be really just ground to a halt if players allow that.
1: Yeah. Um, one one thing that I've found is that... Uh, Going last in the very first turn, it can feel like a death sentence. It isn't. I rarely do worse than second place when put into going last. But the only reason I know how to turn that around is because I've played it enough. If you feel like you're in a bad position in this game, it can be difficult to see a way out of it your first couple of plays. Honestly, this isn't that big a deal to me. That's just the comeuppance of learning a new game, especially a hard one. Your first play is probably going to be inefficient, but I oh, it's it's
0: guaranteed going to be inefficient. Let's just throw that out
1: there. Uh, yeah, but I think that's fine. I know players I've played with were sour on the game because they didn't do well in the first play. Dude,
0: my first eight games have been <laughs> inefficient, so yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't stress about that. And if
1: you do, this probably isn't the game for you, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, it. it I know it can suck to end the game with like a score four times worse than the winner, but that happens. It's going to this game very much has an experiential
0: experiential difference, and it's a meaningful one, meaning if you're playing with experienced players and you're not, you're going to get smoked and that's going
1: to continue until you catch up, which I'll be honest, two games later, two games later, and you'll be doing fine maybe not all of us are
0: savants. (laughs) So for some of us, that's not necessarily the case, but the point is just know going in, what kind of game this is. You're go in to learn the game and then try and get better at it. This is definitely going to be a game that rewards multiple plays, especially over a short period of time, but know that going in, but not everybody is going to be willing to do so. Hence why it's on the flip
1: side of things. Yeah. And, uh, I know this is a critique I hear a lot with people who who are just learning it for the first time, but the first two turns can feel kind of the same. Uh, Every single play can feel the same. They aren't, but it's get pipes, get oil. Uh, Until you play around a bit and see what else you can scoop up, it really does seem like those are the most optimal first turns. I don't want to get too much into strategy, but if you find yourself in last Note that everyone else is about to take actions that won't manipulate turn order. That's a good point. I like that. Yeah. It's a table
0: hog. Uh, You need a good sized table to to have everything spread out enough because everybody has their own player tableaus, which don't take up a ton of room. However, their pipelines do. So your actual whole player tableau, Is massive because you not only have your own player board but you have as big of a pipeline as you made it and it can be whatever shape you make it because you're making your pipeline and you have three different colors potentially that you're going after so it does require a a big table i mean just flat out we have it set up here in front of us and a four-player game takes up most of our six by four game table that we have.
1: Yeah, I'll be honest. If you open up the game board, put that on your table. If you're going to play with four, double that for the four amount players. of space. Yeah, I agree. Plus, with all of the upgrade cards off to the
0: side, you have the pipelines that are off to the side. Then you have all the bits that you need,
1: you know, in dishes somewhere. It There's a lot here. There's just, it, There's just a lot of stuff. Yeah, and on that point, I means setup and teardown is a pain in the ass. Yeah, it's, but there, we put it here as a negative,
0: and I realize we we talked a fair bit about it on the front end. There's just a lot of stuff. But anytime you have big games like this, this is not unique by any stretch of the imagination. Just there's just a lot of stuff. Just be aware of it.
1: Yeah, um, I I, I think the other major criticism I hear is that the upgrades feel unbalanced to some people. It can feel like if you get one and I don't, then you have this power that I don't have. But I find that a lot of them are opportunity costs.
0: Because if you're doing that, you're not doing something else. And it's all, again, it's all about efficiencies, right?
1: Right. So, yeah, getting the free pipeline every year is great, but that costs you $20 for four pipes. Was that really worth it? Maybe if you got more upgrades and that's more pipes, but that's also more money. And some of the others, same thing. Yeah. that level one was really powerful and gave you a lot of power, but what did I do with the 20 bucks that you spent on those? Well, I bought more pipes, right? So now oil. I have a bigger
0: pipeline so I can now refine oil from a basic crude oil to a second or third level. As opposed to you only being able to do the first, right? Right.
1: Um, So, yeah. But locking out in the upgrades, that can be where people get a little... And I've heard of people
0: house ruling to where if you don't want to be able to lock out the other upgrade, then don't do so.
1: It's your game. (laughs) You own it. Do as you want. What's key, too, is that that is actually, as far as I know, I actually want to confirm that, but I'm pretty sure... It's optional to lock out the the additional one. Yeah, let me all right. Back.
0: All right. Referencing the rule book right now for the upgrades and being able to lock
1: those out. When you are finished purchasing upgrades, you may flip an additional upgrade token face down. There you go. May. So you don't have to. If you
0: if you want to remove that aspect of the game, you can do so. It's there in the rule book. Even if you didn't, it's your game. You still can. So that's the biggest point of contention that I've heard people complain about and it's optional. So there's that. All right. So moving on to scalability for the game. Now, like we said, most of our plays have been at three and four player count, uh, but last night we did play at two player and all the play. Well, Two-player especially felt different than the other player counts to me. Did it do you as well? Absolutely. It, it feels a little bit more wide open, a little bit, although all of the uh, – it does scale. The board itself physically does scale because certain areas are blocked off or reduced. Not blocked off, but reduced availability for that, which I think is important.
1: Right. With uh, two players, the orders, there's uh, a third less with contracts they don't come out as fast with the markets themselves they're either just straight up can't buy something or can't sell something there um and same thing with the machines and pipes there's just fewer options but even so it does feel a little bit more
0: open because you don't have to worry about turn order as much because you
1: only have one person that you're worried about there and also uh the government pipes you're pretty much guaranteed to get some pipes yeah because one person can't clear it out right whereas two or three can
0: right. and, and that that's less than ideal potentially for if you're going later in turn
1: order but then you have more control over turn order right and i think on the opposite end uh, four players for the most part for 75 percent of the game it feels super great and normal uh but it can suck to go last. It it can
0: feel rough, I think is a good way to put it, right? It just it's you're like, "Oh, there's
1: oh, keep you keep taking all the pipes I need. Stop doing that." But turn order manipulation is a thing in this game for a reason, and if you're not taking advantage of it, well, you're probably not going to be doing well. Right. So there's that. But Fewer contracts, fewer
0: availability of pipes with less player count. So basically what we're saying is the game scales very well and plays great across all three player counts. I know some people are like, oh, this screams for a solo. Not every game has to have a solo mode, says the guy who has a game group. I get that. (laughs) But at the same time, I don't want something bolted on just to have it bolted on. I want a game where... It makes sense. And maybe it does here. I don't know. But for whatever reason, they haven't included one. So I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah, I don't know that it needs a solo mode. Uh, people say like it's multiplayer solitaire and then a solo mode makes sense because reasons. But part of the joy of this game is being able to scoop up and take advantage of the actions that other people are trying to do. And with an AI, it's not quite the same. They'll technically perform actions, but you can't anticipate them and can't predict them as well. But at the same time, there are some amazing uh, solo designers
0: out there. Like I know David Terzzi, um, Ricky Royal does some stuff and there are other people that I'm not thinking of. I, I, I think that if they can come up with one, I'm all for it. I just don't, it's it's not included, so it's not included. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. Okay. This brings us to what is arguably my favorite part of every review. Comments from BGG and bonus comments this time from a fellow reviewer and the designer himself. So let's get to it. Got a chance to play this at PAX U. A group of four played just before us. One of the four left the table loving the game. He happened to be the winner. The other three left saying they'd never play Pipeline again. I soon found out why. Pipeline, quote unquote, is one of the most unforgiving Euros I've ever seen. Fall behind early and you better pray that the other players make some pretty spectacular mistakes because otherwise you're done. There's no catch up. You're done. The shame of it is there's a really clever game here. I can definitely see how repeated plays will make for a more satisfying experience. Certainly, I wouldn't make the same errors that led to my terrible experience, but I just don't feel like investing the time into this game. It's very sterile looking and that feeling of sterility, sterility. Yeah, go with it. Bleeds into the gameplay, which is bland in its cleverness.
1: It's just not enough to excite me into trying again. Okay, I kind of agreed with him up until he said the last bit. Uh like yes, you won't make the same errors the next time you play it. Uh and to me, that tightness and unforgiving
0: is a feature, not a not not a not a bad thing, but, yeah. right? But
1: hey, to each their own. Okay. But then um when he says that the sterility bleeds into the gameplay, i disagree but hey everybody has the right to their
0: own opinion all right for what it is and what it sets out to be i find the game too slow too mean too tight and too boring and a game with all four of those bad boxes checked just won't ever really be satisfying how is it too slow Maybe uh, again, AP, that AP. can happen. Okay. I mean, okay. legitimately, I can understand that aspect of it. And I understand that too mean, too tight doesn't appeal to people.
1: Uh, yeah, I just don't think it's mean. Oh, I, it can be. I think you have to be going in yeah, your way. Uh, that my, guess, my guess is he's talking
0: about the upgrades, that punitive, oh, I'm just going to block this off so you can't do that. Yeah, Possibly. All right. What a masterpiece Ryan Courtney has created. The only real downside is that this is a thoroughbred engine builder that can be very unforgiving and is quite complex. I'm noticing the theme through all these. eh? (laughs) What this means is that if you fluff your start, then you probably won't end up winning. So I can safely state that the learning curve here is steep. This is, however, a double edged knife because it can be so enjoyable and fulfilling if you do manage to get that big engine roaring and firing on all cylinders. The mini pipeline puzzle that creates your refinement engine, the machines that automate it, the technologies, storage limitations, supply and demand. Everything fits together seamlessly and feels highly thematic. If you like heavy Euros and engine builders, this is a must have. A fair warning, though, that this game can suffer from a runaway leader and equally someone falling hopelessly behind, which can frustrate. Yep. Uh, Thanks for writing my summary. Appreciate it. All right, good. The decisions in this game were a bit too heavy for my taste. I'm glad I tried it, but I don't know if I'll come back to it again. It's pretty unforgiving if you make a mistake. I also highly disagree with the the design decision to block upgrades. I know what they were trying to quote unquote rush to get upgrade strategy out of the equation, but I think it could have been implemented better. If the theming was better, I might forgive the dense decision making a bit, but nothing is making me excited to come back for this. For an economic euro, just pick up Brass instead. No, I, I think there's room for both. Personally, I think they're both really good games. I think so. if someone Excellent. said Pipeline or Brass, I'd
1: have to think.
0: Sure, but I'm okay. With, uh, but they're they're but they're different. No matter what,
1: it's going to be a good time.
0: Yeah, gorgeous production, fun puzzle tile placement mechanic, mostly left unfulfilled. Not enough time to really build an engine. Contracts seem too punishing. Very mixed
1: bag for me. Not sure I agree, but okay. Honestly, though, I can see this being a common thread amongst people. I can like that. uh, (laughs) I can see it missing the mark on some people. I think as a general statement, gamers in general,
0: not all, obviously not all, because let's face it, the majority of the people that I'm about to mention are our audience. But I think in general, I think gamers willingness to dive into a game, to earn the enjoyment out of the game has been greatly reduced in the last five to six years. Basically as long as I've been in the hobby. Yeah. Anyway, my, my opinion, here we go. Last. Well, next to the last one, this game, dear God, it's brutal, but nevertheless, I like it. I say like not love I didn't have any trouble learning or explaining the rules the rules aren't very long and complex I spent much less time in a rule book than say I don't know mage knight however the gameplay is really tight make one mistake and on top of picking up penalty tokens i.e debt uh, cubes it will slow you down to almost a halt for the next two to three turns the best players will plan several turns ahead after my first full playthrough i was angry i was comparing my experience to when i played dark souls the video game i get that actually (laughs) i was pissed off calling the game unfair if not downright evil i was telling my friends i'll never buy this i bought it the next day bear with me that night although i just suffered through brutal punishment i heard it calling in my dreams how could you have optimized your strategy pat Could you have made your network of pipes and business strategy more efficient? I needed to fix this. All right, yeah. I'm somewhat of a perfectionist, but to be fair, my friends who also suffered penalties but aren't perfectionists liked it more than I did. There's definitely something saying about this game that always has me coming back for more. I dig it. For this last bit here, for those that don't know, Space Biff or Dan Thoreau is one of, if not the best written board game reviewers in the industry. I love his work. I'm a patron of his. I think he does amazing stuff. I think everybody should read his stuff. I did take a gander at his write-up for Pipeline, and I wanted to quote something that he wrote here because it gives context to Ryan Courtney's reply right afterwards. And I think both of these have merit, even if I don't necessarily agree with Dan's entire point. So regarding the runaway leader or away loser issue, all right, Dan Thoreau wrote, quote, pipeline includes player interaction where it's least interesting and lacks it where it might have landed a punch. The result is is he- isn't heads down play. Everyone's actions have plenty of impact on one another, altering the cost of values, nearly everything you can purchase or sell. Rather, the result is a game where your only means of interaction is filtered through a third-party marketplace that does little to police runaway leaders or even allow for mild, mild undermining. As an economic race, it's nail-biting, but often only to the conclusion of the game's first act, with scarcely any resource or recourse once somebody is pulled ahead. So my question for you, and by you I mean everybody listening... Is that necessarily a bad thing? I'm okay with that. And we've said this numerous times throughout this review. I'm good with that. As long as you know it going in, you're probably going to be good with that too, because you know it going in. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And he says like the year end of the first act is if it's broken up that way. But the first year is a halfway point of the game. Right. And so I think what he's saying here is Basically, once
0: the engines are going, you're either ahead or you're behind. And unless the leader screws something up which you can't necessarily directly interfere with,
1: the game's over already. I think there's I think there's ways to do better than the leader. Okay, fair but, enough. But you have to be close. So
0: Here was Ryan's response, and I kind of pieced together two of his responses together uh, from two different posts on this, but I I did want to include it here. So Ryan Courtney says, knowing the basic steps for creating an efficient engine is essentially the bare minimum skill set required in the transition from a mostly multiplayer solitaire puzzle game where you're fighting the board to a game where you're actually playing the other players. And with no piggyback or catch-up mechanism, if players are of unequal skill or fail to keep up, tension can and probably will be lost. Hopefully in my next design, I'll be able to do a better job of easing players from competency in the initial puzzle part into the more interactive part so I don't lose part of my player base during that transition. There are certainly trade-offs and weaknesses of the pipeline design that I'm learning from. I found that meaningful, and I found that really enlightening that Ryan says, okay, look, this was an intentional thing, but maybe in the future, I don't make it as drastic
1: of a experiential differential. Yeah. Or experience differential, as it were. I mean, I think he's also trying to say the transition's the problem. Ah, so that word problem
0: here, I don't know if it is. I also understand what he's saying is, well, you heard from some of these people on BGG that they're just not willing to invest. I would argue that pipeline is not the game for them. It's not a game a issue with the game because there are plenty of us out here that do enjoy a game with that steep learning curve or that experience differential. I'm okay with that. Look at games like Indonesia or other, basically anything from Splatter. If you fall behind, you're behind. If you can't lose on the first turn, why have a first turn? I'm good with that. But not everybody has to be good with that. And not every game has to cater to that. So I'm good with that.
1: Yeah, I I think I kind of agree with that. I mean even like I said I played Food Chain Magnate with a lot of people for the first time and even though I did well and they did not it didn't matter to them they still liked it there there's still some inherent goodness in the production and if you can't see that then you probably won't Your summary good sir all right I think pipeline is great Absolutely A tier. Uh, from the design of the game to the design of the rulebook, there's a ton in here that I love. A quick game that teaches well with a narrative I like and just the right touch of my own subjective switches. Not too mean, turn order manipulation that's perfectly fair, extra pieces that are totally worth it but don't hinder the game if you don't have them, board game design that reminds you of rules as you play, a perfect font utilized perfectly. You know, things that normal people like. I could easily see me playing Pipeline for a long, long time. Pipeline's not
0: perfect. I don't know that there's been a game created that's perfect, yet not even my beloved age of steam, through the ages, etc. But I really, really like Pipeline. There are aspects about it where I struggle Uh, looking at you uh, pipeline building, you know, spatial puzzle that I suck at part of the game and I'm not enamored. I'll be honest. I'm not a huge fan of the arbitrary quote unquote. And I use that word loosely blocking off of the extra contract or, or the extra upgrades. But even with those things, I'm still a huge fan of this game for all of the reasons that we just spent the last hour going over. I've noticed that a lot of games are amazing from first time designers because they have years of buildup leading up to it. This is no different than some of those other games, but I will say this getting to know Ryan Courtney. And his drive to improve and his drive to continue to produce amazing games. As much as I like Pipeline, I think I'm equally, ex- if not more, excited about whatever his next big game is. Because I want to see what he can do without that being his big baby. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. As far as just, Yes. So overall, I'm a really big fan of this game. I love the production quality. I think the graphic design makes for a wonderful, wonderful package. And I'm really excited to see what Ryan comes up with next. So well done, Ryan Courtney. So as far as a rating goes, we rate on a one to six scale. One is burn it with fire. Don't give it away. Don't sell it. No, just burn it with fire. Get rid of it. A two is. Nope. Not, not a fan. just, I am not a good match for this game. Game wasn't made for me. A three, you know what? Now we're starting to get, Hey, it has a lot of good aspects, but it has some, some serious things that I'm just didn't work for me. Not a fan of. Once we hit a four, now we're starting to get into the, yeah, I want to own this game. It's a above average game. A five, this is a fantastic game. This is really, really good. Definitely going to own that game. And a six is a Hall of Fame. Yes. Just flat out. Yes. Like potential top 20 game in my collection, period. So that said,
1: Greg, you being the guest, where do you have it? So usually I hem and haw on this one, but... Uh not for not for this game this is a six even the flaws we've pointed out i I feel like there's someone else's opinions i see that this game isn't 100 for everyone but i'd be shocked if most people who played this didn't at least like it interesting for me i think it
0: falls as a solid five Uh, i played the game More than a handful of times, about eight, nine times. And I'm excited, legitimately excited and looking forward to playing it more. But I don't know. I think I think there are a couple of the things that we covered in this that just hold it back a little bit for me. But even so, it's a five on a one to six scale. I'd say it's pretty solid. I'm happy to have my copy. It's not going to be leaving my collection. And yeah. Uh, Well done, everybody involved uh, with this game. Really, really happy. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what's next. Same. So that is our review of Pipeline. So welcome back, everybody. It's been fun. I enjoyed this. Greg, thanks for coming on again. Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you all in two weeks with the next episode. You guys have a wonderful next couple of weeks. And Greg, you want to tell folks how they can reach you online?
1: Oh, yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Pop C Propaganda uh, or my YouTube channel, which should be Pop Culture Propaganda with the full C spread out. There you go. And for me, at Heavy Cardboard on Twitter, at
0: Heavy Cardboard on Instagram, Heavy Cardboard on Facebook, HeavyCardboard.com's is the website. And last but not least, if you guys want to support the show and what we're doing here, you can go over to PledgeHC.com and support us there either on a monthly or an annual basis really appreciate it so with that catch y'all in two weeks
1: take care everybody have a good one